It's a brace for the 18-year-old and three points in the back for Chicago. Federico Navarro weaving his way through, and it's in. It falls for Shaqiri. The Swiss international back onto the score sheet, and he doubles the fire lead. All right, football fans, welcome into another edition of the Intercontinental Football Show brought to you by our good friends over at Revolution Brewing, the largest independent brewery in all of Illinois. And we've got a very special guest, a local lad, Schomburg's own Mr. Chris Mueller joins us on the podcast. Christopher, how are you, my friend? It's been quite some time. It has been quite some time. I'm doing really well, though. Thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to it. So you guys are obviously going through the um, going through the motions right now in preseason and everything like that. Um, first you know, what are the vibes like in preseason? I know this is your first full preseason with the fire after coming um, over in May last year in the middle of the season. So I'm sure it's got to feel good to sort of, um, you know, get back to it with the guys and and have a full um, slate with the guys over the course of a calendar year to be able to start things off. Yeah, it feels really good. Honestly, it's uh, I feel like preseason is always a good time to be around the lads. Everyone's really excited for the first game. The The feelings are always positive. The mood is always high. Uh, and, you know, it, it feels good. We've been discussing some things internally as a squad about uh, what we want to accomplish this year, which, you know, obviously we're at ground zero. So we're shooting um, for everything. You know, we want to win. We want to excel and continue to push each other and grow together uh, as we continue to move forward and get closer to the season. So, uh, yeah, the vibes have been great. Uh, boys are buzzing to, to get going on March 4th. Yeah, so you guys have had a couple of games as of late. Um, Colorado Springs, nil-nil draw, and then a 3-3 draw against New Mexico United, a couple of USL championship teams. I know that the starting 11s are sort of a mixed bag of, of some guys who might typically you know, start on any given week during the regular season and some younger guys, some Chicago Fire FC2 guys. Um, I know it's difficult to pull out you know, really hard, um, tangible things out of those games. What have you seen from this group um, over the past couple of games in Tucson? Uh, and some of the games, I think we've really shown willingness to compete, you know, and then some others, I feel like we're maybe a little bit slow off the start at, at, in some instances where, um, you know, you play some of these opponents and it's easy to underestimate them when you're playing against lower division teams and whatnot. But, um, you know, we've we've definitely shown our quality in, in bits and pieces, but we need to continue to have that mentality where we're going into fight to win. Uh, you know, at, at an extremely high degree to not only match our opponent, but to surpass them. And obviously we, we know that our quality will show itself um, once we do that and get those fundamentals right. But, um, you know, it's stuff that we're obviously still working through with the draws. You know, we want to be winning. We want to, uh, we keep talking about creating uh, a winning culture and have it and, you know, creating the habit of winning. You know, winning is a habit. Ezra said it multiple times. It's kind of been his mantra throughout this preseason and just trying to get wins under our belt you know just to have confidence as we move forward so that's something that we're obviously working on and, and building towards but um yeah I think that uh, our competitive base is something that we need to start on and and start to really push uh, as we step into the final game this weekend yeah, I mean, a guy who's won 15 trophies over his playing and uh, managerial career is certainly a guy who who is a habitual winner and trying to create that culture has been something that he's been preaching even even since uh, before you got there. I remember last season, it was a, it was a similar message, and I'm sure um, that'll start to become a habit sooner rather than later for you guys. Um, I know during preseason, you guys can uh, have a lot of downtime in between training and at night and things like that. What have you been doing with your downtime? Um, I know that there's a group that likes to play Uno, like with Rafa and Fabi and those guys. Um, but what have you been doing um, to sort of pass the time and and you know sort of those bonding experiences that you have with the guys 
Yeah, I'll jump into card games here and there in Cancun. A lot of us were playing 22 a ton. Uh, on this trip more so, we've had uh, time to spend more afternoons because we don't have as many two-a-days. So we've been able to, I've uh, been going and getting coffee with a few of the lads and I've been doing some writing and doing some work for myself uh, as well because uh, obviously I need to take care of myself before I can take care of others as well. So uh, doing a little personal work, but uh, nonetheless, I mean, we've had a lot of meetings and a ton of uh, activities to do as a team together. So we're continuing to build in that fashion. I'm actually out of the Uno game because uh, I'm not a big, uh, big, uno guy for some reason i don't know why just, <laughs> you, you would rather want to give rafa any any uh pride over me so i got to take it away don't give him any chances <laughs> well i i heard i heard that rafa was like deep in the hole with uh with with some money because i know that they play uno for money which is kind of obscene to me because it is it is it's such a simple game right yeah, yeah. no no <laughs> doubt but even yeah even that too i'm also not I'm someone in terms of when you play games for money, I definitely take more pain from losing than pleasure from winning. So uh, I try and stay away from it. That's that's that Michael Jordan in you. That's that dog. You're you're addicted to winning. You know that's a it's a good thing, especially on the field. But when it comes to cards and things like that, it, it can it can get dangerous. Definitely. Um, so you mentioned uh, in a couple of different interviews so far. I remember the presser, and I was watching it with with great intent because you know you're you're one of the guys that I'm I'm always going to listen to in a presser because. You're very introspective. You're thoughtful. You're you're in tune with what sort of your body and your mind is telling you. And you talked about how this has been the longest stretch that maybe you've ever had um, going back to the end of last season without a break, you know, going from Orlando City to Scotland and then jumping back into Major League Soccer playing. You mentioned how it was one of the first times where you needed to really step away from the game that you love and, and take a break and reset. When did you start to feel that? And and was there like a moment where you were like, wow, like I really need to, you know, take a little bit of Chris time and, and reset and recharge before 2023 starts? You know, subconsciously, I feel like it was starting to wean in a little bit towards the end of last season, with even, some, even with some games left. Um, my hip even was just really under some stress and I was feeling a lot of pain in my leg. And uh, that was just wearing in mentally, obviously, when the results started to not go our ways and uh, the playoffs kind of were edging away from possibility. Uh, it got really tough to just like stay motivated and to continue to go out and, you know, keep busting your ass pretty much, you know, mm -hmm. to keep putting into the process. You obviously are doing those things day in and day out for the long-term effect. Um, but yeah, nonetheless, just to stay motivated and, you know, to go all in the way that I do constantly. Uh, I think I was feeling that wear and tear with with some games left for sure last season I don't know what exact moment but subconsciously I was I was I was feeling it but consciously I was telling myself no nah, I'm good you know I got time I got you know I'm yeah. fighting I'm fighting that inner inner battle so uh yeah no I just I, I no I appreciate the answer and I, I just thought it was very interesting because um you know the MLS season is is longer than most and it's continuous and you know with all the travel and everything but you found yourself in a pretty um precarious situation with bouncing back and forth from MLS in Europe and, and back to MLS again. So, um, you know, certainly un understandable that your body and your mind are both barking for a break. Um, when, when you did step away though, and when you did take some ch time to recharge, like, are you one of those guys who's addicted to the game and you're going to be constantly watching other games and other leagues when you do have downtime, when you're home, or do you sometimes like to sort of recharge and reset, um, in other ways, whether it's spending time with your wife or with your family and friends and stuff like that, obviously now being back in Chicago, like, do you, can you step away from it or do you like to always sort of be plugged in? Uh, I'd say I'm pretty plugged in constantly. You know, I, I would say my first four years in the league, I had probably watched 300 soccer games after after training like 300 350 300 you know in between there somewhere yeah. but I would 
record games constantly on Fubo and I go home and whatever league it was, every Champions League game, every Europa League game, I would record them and I would just pick one every day. I'd get home, put on my boots, make my coffee. And that would be like my afternoon session of work. I'd watch and like recover and just have it on. Um, so it's pretty constant. I'm, I would say I'm pretty obsessive about the whole thing, but now I'm more so, you know, I'm watching the big games, obviously all the good games. I watch them back, uh, all my own film. I'm obviously constantly watching in our team, but, uh, and games around the league when that gets going. Uh, so yeah, I would say to answer your question, I am definitely someone you're addicted to the uh, game. Yeah. yeah. Who's in it more I, than not. Um, did you catch the Manchester city arsenal game? I did. Yes. Well, what were your thoughts on it? What are your takeaways? Um, I would have loved to see Arsenal win because it's, it would just be great to see somebody else win the league. Uh, cause city's obviously been such a dominant force over the yeah. past couple of years, but, um, you know, in those sort of games with teams that are both so confident and don't have a problem playing out of the back. And, you know, obviously we saw the mistake from Tomiyasu early that kind of it's those little bits that just kind of change the trajectory of games. You have the penalty, then, you know, Saka steps up in a big moment. Love to see it as well. One, one back into the game. And then uh, the, you have slight deflection on Grealish's mm -hmm. goal, just again, little bits. So it, it obviously could have gone either way. I think as a whole, I think Man City dominated more of the game, which is impressive being that it was at the Emirates. But um, nonetheless, great game, great team. I wouldn't expect anything less than Arsenal to come back and win their next game and uh, give them a run for their money at uh, that's he had when that comes around. I could like see the smile on your face, like thinking about the energy and like the, the that and how big that game was and how big those moments were. Like, are you are you just like itching to get back on the field right now in a competitive game for week one? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really <laughs> starting to get I've gotten to that point. You know, my break was great and all, but this break is now getting to the point where it's been too long and I'm just really itching to get back and start playing some games. So, yeah, for sure. For sure. So let me ask you this question. We and you and I have actually talked about this off the record before, but um, I always find this concept of college soccer, specifically in the American soccer pyramid, fascinating. Like I've always been a big proponent for it. You had a great college experience at Wisconsin. Um, where do you see the college game fitting into the American soccer pyramid with so many kids signing academy contracts at a young age? Um, and then, you know, going to MLS next pro and then eventually hopefully getting to the first team. But there is something to be said for going to school, having that sort of social experience, playing in front of big crowds under the lights with with real stakes, because at the end of the day, MLS Next Pro and things like that, it's not going to be the same level of importance that maybe a college game would have. What what are your thoughts as somebody who's a product of it and has been able to get to the highest level and, and be a perennial force in Major League Soccer and find your way over to Europe as well? Yeah, obviously, my perspective is going to be a bit skewed because I did go through the college system and it did work for me. You know, there's a lot of guys who go through and then you know, maybe feel that they're at a disadvantage of, unless they would have gotten into a team early on. But I could say for sure that if I had stepped into the locker room at 17 years old, if I would have had that opportunity, I would not have been able to grasp the opportunity even even close to as well as I, as I did when I was a, a rookie in Orlando, just because I feel like, you know, like you're saying, you're playing in big for you and for, for players in college, college games are important and there's a lot on the line because you want to win. You're in the big 10 tournament. Those games are big, you know, there's stakes on the line for your perspective and what you've experienced in your career. Those games are important. You know, you want to win, you want to win trophies and for where you're at in, in, in your playing career, that's what matters. Right. So no doubt that those pressured situations, there's more on the line than just playing a, an MLS next game with nobody in the crowd and with more of a de developmental aspect behind it where, you know, is it results based I don't really know. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you accurately. Mm -hmm. However, 
I do think there's something to be said with the maturity that comes from going to school where you have to be responsible for your own time. If you miss class, if you fail a test, if you aren't going to your tutors, if you, you just have to be held responsible for your actions to a much higher degree, I think, than, uh, than maybe young guys stepping into the locker room now where that responsibility of your time and holding yourself accountable is crucial. You know, you go there, you have to cook on your own, you have to do your own laundry, you have to do your own sheets, you got to manage your own time, find mm -hmm. time to go to the library, find time to go to training, find out how you're going to get there. And you just have to figure things out on your own where, you know, that lack of maturity, let's say from young guys, not all around the country. I think that that's definitely an aspect that plays into grasping opportunities in the locker room because you don't necessarily understand yeah i don't know if it's not understand but maybe it's just the lack of maturity i guess in understanding what is uh important to to winning and, and succeeding at at this level and did you have any anybody who was chirping in your ear to, to try to go pro immediately or did you always sort of have your in your mind your idea of what your path looked like going to college and having that experience no i honestly i didn't want to go to school i was trying to maybe find an avenue to go to Europe. I had a German scout who was trying to get me over and, and get me in some trials over there. So in my mind, that's what I was doing. I, when I was a junior in high school, I was like, I'm not going to college. Mm -hmm. I really didn't think that I was, or maybe a sophomore, you know, and then once maybe junior year came and I started to get some college looks and that was my only option. That's kind of what I had to follow and do, but it never crossed my mind what I wanted to do in the end. Yeah. And, and now that you've had that experience, would you would you trade it for anything in the world? Would you go back and do it differently? No, definitely not. I definitely wouldn't. Just because I feel like I've been able to succeed at this level because I went to school. And maybe it's not only because I went to school, but I also had a coach while I was in school who was extremely hard on me, who made me grow thick skin, who made me lose any sort of entitlement that I might have had in my body. You know, I definitely feel like when you come from, at least in my academy team, I was the best player. I was constantly i think i was able to cut some more corners there than i was allowed to when i went to school and in college and my coach kind of woke me up saying okay well you might have been a big fish in a little pond back then but now you're a small fish in a bigger pond and when you try and step into the next league you best believe that if you ain't tracking your man back if you ain't doing the little bits if you can't defend a wall pass if you're not doing the fundamentals and the principles right you ain't going to be a big fish in that massive sea over there of the professionals i'll tell you that much mm -hmm. you know so I think that having someone who was really hard on me, uh, even though my first two years in college, as I was growing and I was maturing, I hated him. You know, I wanted to leave school. I wanted to transfer out of uh, Madison because I couldn't stand it. You know, I thought that he hated me and I kept making excuses until I finally dialed it back in on myself and kind of took the criticism uh, in for what it was and, and made intentional moves to try and improve myself. That was when I started to see uh, more success, I guess. Well, I, I can confirm John Trask is a, is a very uh, intimidating guy. Um, I, there was a, there was a game, I did a Wisconsin Michigan State Big Ten game, and we needed a starting eleven. And I was calling the game with Patrick Duty, national champion, Indiana University. You know, played for the Fire, and he should have no problem being able to go up to a coach and say, like, Hey, can we get the starting eleven? And I said to him, I was like, Do you want to go up to him? He goes, Absolutely not. You need to go do it. Like he, like, you know, this is Patrick Duty, a grown man after his yeah. playing days, oh, yeah. and he was afraid to go up to him. That's just the sort of like, you know, aura that John Trask has. But it seems seems like it certainly worked on you yeah no I mean I'm I'm a big advocate for it you know and 
like I said, I didn't like it in the beginning when it was hard for me. It was a tough pill to swallow, you know, sometimes that's reality. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't think that without him in my college experience that I would be where I'm at now, because mm-hmm. like I said, he just beat that entitlement out of me and it's definitely uh, done me well. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to go even further back when you were a young lad in Schaumburg and you're, you know, you're addicted to the game, you're watching YouTube videos. Um, who are you trying to like model your game after? Like who, who is one guy that you were always trying to make sure that you caught um, on television or you were going back and watching YouTube highlights of? Uh, my favorite person to watch was always like Ronaldinho. Uh, for some reason, I feel like as a kid at that era, everybody loved Ronaldinho. Uh, Frank Lampard was my favorite player on Chelsea and Drogba. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I loved them as well. But I, I, I wouldn't say that as a kid, I ever had any desire to be like another player, if that makes sense. I wouldn't try yeah, to copy yeah. anybody's moves. It, you know, that wasn't for me where I was, if I saw maybe Ronaldo doing Ronaldo chop on the side, I wasn't going in my yard and practicing that same move. I was always just really keen on just trying to, I, I think I just believed in myself that I was good and I was uniquely good at what maybe I brought to the pitch. And I just wanted to continue to work on that. I think someone told me that when I was younger, just to be yourself. So mm-hmm. uh, that was something I think that I really stuck with. And as much as I love to watch the game and, and, you know, obviously you get ideas here and there and how some guys turn or, you know, little bits and moves, fakes and whatnot. But yeah. uh, nonetheless, I think that most of my focus was just on making myself the best I could be. Now it's interesting. My next question, you lead me into it really well there because you're talking about like making moves. So let's say you're playing against the Philadelphia union when Kai Wagner is, is, is the left back and you're out on the right wing. And you're sized up against him and, you, and you're 1v1. Center back is late to come over and help. And you know you have an opportunity to try to break him down. Like, is there anything that's going through your mind, like in terms of what type of move you want to pull off? Is it the way that he's sort of shading you? Like it, to whether it be a double step over and go to the right and try to peel it back for somebody, whether you want to cut inside on your left. Like, how do you decide what move to make in that moment? Uh, that's a difficult question because obviously they're all split second decisions where you're just like reading where the space is on the pitch. Uh, if I could see a guy's coming back in close on my, on the right side, if, cause naturally I want to cut in onto my right foot and try and get a shot off. Um, but you know, if you can sense that space isn't there and you need to go to your left and maybe then you can cut back in on your right. And, you know, it's really, it's really hard to explain because I wouldn't say that there's much of a thought process in that moment. If you're really to take somebody up one V one main thing I do is, is watch the defender uh, depending on if they're going to jump in on me. I'm kind of waiting, waiting, waiting. I'm not doing any moves to really throw them off, but I'm just waiting for that timing for as soon as I see them step to me, I'm going to go around one way or the other. And then that is sort of just instinctive. I'm, I always say like in my best dribbling moments where I'm able to go through like guys and multiple players, I don't know how I do it after, you know, I couldn't explain to you how I did it. You know, I, yeah. I just couldn't, it's just, but very- that's, that's the perfect answer though, because I think it is instinctual and there's no time to think you simply are doing what you did at Dirks, you know, playing pickup for all those years, right? Like it's, it's, it's muscle memory. No doubt. No doubt. All right. Last question. Um, what was your, what was your quote of the day or like your motivational trope today? Um, I think it was two, well, I'll just say two days ago, because it's the only quote that I remember that stuck out to me from my reading, but I was reading a book, uh, called chosen suffering, uh, by the head coach of wrestling at Ohio state. Uh, really, really good book. Uh, I would highly recommend it to anybody who's listening, but though the quote that stuck out for me, uh, from that reading was he was talking about how, uh, a plan, a good plan backed with belief will most likely yield much better results than a perfect plan backed by doubt. Mm. So I feel like it's just, it was really important just to reiterate, obviously you're in these moments in preseason where 
you're striving to to not only make the playoffs but to win you know I feel like as I'm looking ahead and I'm seeing the opportunity that lies in Chicago uh, a city that's dying for a good sports team that's dying for a trophy and um, you know just stepping into really believing that that is an achievable goal I think is uh, the thing that's ultimately going to make or break whether we can do it or not you know if you're standing at the finish line and or the starting line and you don't really deep down in your heart believe that even if it's a good plan or a perfect plan if you have a perfect plan that's backed by doubt it's not going to work but um if you're stepping up into the race and you truly believe deep down in your core that you can win I feel like that in itself says everything you know so um getting us on board in, in that sense where uh, you know, the belief isn't just something you say, but you have the integrity to back those beliefs with your actions is uh, ultimately what's going to be, in my opinion, the the difference maker for us. I love it. Absolutely love it. Mr. Mueller, you are a legend. You're a scholar. You're a gentleman. Um, we appreciate you coming on the podcast, which, of course, I'm is no scholar, mate. <laughs> you're a scholar, man. You're, you're, a college, you're a college graduate, baby. You're a scholar. Uh, um, maybe, no, maybe I'm not college. yet. I didn't. I didn't graduate. <laughs> I'm exposing right. myself. but I'm, I'm sending this straight to Coach Trask, and he's going he's gonna to get you back into the classroom. I'll finish that up. But yeah, Chris, real. you've been awesome, man. Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, enjoy the night with the lads, and, um, and we can't wait to see you in action uh, on the lakefront Soldier Field on March 4th against NYCFC. You can't wait, pal. For sure. Thanks for having me, bro. I appreciate it.